Greetings and welcome to our weekday Chabura. Um, we're continuing with our study of Pirkei Hallel, uh, and this week will be a slightly shorter, shorter year because we are dealing with what is officially the shortest parak in all of Tanakh. I spoke about this last week, um, Parak Kuf Yod Zion, which in some manuscripts is really appended to Parak Kuf Tet Zion, uh, which ends with Mashiv, etc., which we studied last week. Uh, and what I forgot to mention was that very likely in those versions, uh, the word hallelujah does not appear at the end of Kuftet Zayin because hallelujah, which is a signature form almost everywhere else in Tanakh, except one place in Tilim Kuflamid Hay, uh, then appears at the end of the psalm, which is at the end of these two psukim, if it's indeed one long psalm. Um, and uh, and uh, in the Septuagint, the word hallelujah does not appear as they as these two are merged there. Uh, in any case, we are now going to tackle what is in our text, the shortest parakin Tanakh, which is these two psukim, uh, which um, are seem to be sort of the intro to the central part of Hallel, which is the recitative uh, which both begins and ends which we will study next week. It begins, We'll read the rest and translate it, and then we'll try to understand what's going on. Now, unlike other prakim that we study, this one does not really have a challenge of structure because there's not enough to really talk about a structure here. Uh, the words themselves are all quite easy to understand. Uh, but therein lies the rub that the message of this parak and the context of this parak are very difficult to, to, un- to understand. Um, so just for translation, the word halalu is a command, which means whoever speaking is talking to the nations of the world. Now, are they really talking to the nations of the world? Certainly not. What's the context? We'll talk about that in a minute. And in parallel to halalu et adonai kol goyim, praise Hashem, all nations, which looks like a simple parallel, halalu and shabachuhu, praise and kol goyim and kol haumim, all of the nations. We'll see the Midrash develops this a little bit differently, as can be expected. But in any case, what's clear here is that the reader, the leader, is inspiring or calling upon all the nations of the world to praise Hashem. Now, what would motivate them to do that? And secondly, more difficult contextually, is what's this doing here? As we recall, we've gone from the global, um, we, the introduction of Halal Mitzrayim was the global statement about God being both transcendent and immanent, and then the statement about God making us his nation, the whole B'tzayt Yisrael Mitzrayim, and the cataclysmic scene on earth when God's presence is made manifest. And then we followed that with the critique and the polemic against idolatry in the beginning of Kuf Tetvav and the blessing of fertility. And then we went very much in kind of narrowing down from universal to national to local national to the personal. We're talking about an individual bringing a korban toda and explaining what his, telling his story of how he was at death's door and God saved him. And then basically, how do I give thanks to God, Mashiv? And ending with that, and suddenly there's a quick turn, which is really like a 180, where we're turning from the very personal to the universal, to the national, to the international. And again, not really, but we have many places in Tanakh 
where the Navi speaks to the heavens, speaks to the earth, but also speaks to all the nations of the world or specific nations that are certainly not his real acoustic audience. For instance, the first chapter and a half of Amos is Amos speaking to Damasek and to Azah and to Ammon and Moab. It shows up in Yirmiyahu, it shows up in Yeshayahu, it shows up in Yechezkel. Nevi'im giving Nevi'ah ostensibly to the non-Jewish nations who have no interest in listening to him and who he has no interest in talking to, but it's part of a rhetorical flourish that's there to inspire his audience to see things a particular way. Here, the we have the same thing. We're in the Mikdash, and somebody, and perhaps the Levi, perhaps somebody who brought the Korban, somebody is speaking to the world and saying, the whole world should praise Hashem. And, of course, we have to figure out what's that doing here. And the second pasuk is even more difficult. Ki gavar aleinu chasdo. Because his kindness, Hashem's kindness, or his uh, compassion, has overwhelmed us. And God's truth is forever. Hallelujah. Now that last stitch is even more difficult. God's truth is forever. What does that have to do with anything? So perhaps we might want to read Chasdo and Emet as we did in the beginning of Kuftet Vav as a Hendaitis, which means not Chesed and Emet, but rather the truth of his Chesed. So you might want to read it, Amitat Chasdo. The truth of his chesed, the the venerableness of his chesed, the 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 reliability of his chesed overwhelmed us. That, that's a local issue that we can solve. But the larger issue is God's kindness has overwhelmed us. What does that have to do with the nations of the world? And what's the correlation between pasuk aleph and pasuk bet? They're difficult, as you can see. The midrashim struggle with this, and uh, in midrash tehillim that we have in front of us in source two. Um, the the orientation here is towards those opportunities when um, when the rest of the world um, has reason to praise God, such as the example they give is when it rains. But of course, that's premised on the rest of the world being God fearing or being theistic and not being polytheistic, right? As opposed to thanking the God of rain, to thanking Hashem for the rain takes a, takes a certain stretch. So take a look at the second passage from Midrash Tehillim, which is a later compilation, uh, medieval compilation. Midrash Tehillim, uh, source 3, Davar Acher. We're going to read this together. So Rebbe's son, Rebbe Shimon, asked him, So as I mentioned at the beginning, Kol Goyim and Kol Haumim is a parallelism, Goyim and Luim, but Midrashically, we like to define them as being different, meaning not to read them simply as synonyms, but as speaking to different groups. And this is the, kind of the approach that we find in some Midrashim that later inspired the Malbim in the 19th century to make his claim that there really are no synonyms in Tanakh. So Amarlo, what did Rabbi tell his son? Kol goyim, elu hagoyim Yisrael. Now the, the way that the argument is built is elegant. He says, who are kol goyim? Kol goyim doesn't mean all nations. It means the nations that uh, oppressed and that enslaved Israel through galut, which means that now we're picturing that this statement is being made and this directive to the nations is being made when all of that is resolved and when there's no more galut. Kol haumim elomotshiloshibdubam. So umim are better. Those are the ones who didn't enslave Am Israel. And now, Amru Kol Haumot, Maim Elushin Shtabdum Bnei Israel, or Ebnei Israel, Kalsina Kolich Baruchum. 
Let's take a look. We're looking at the Romans. We're looking at the Assyrians. We're looking at the Germans, whoever it might be, who oppressed Israel, and they're praising Hashem. Now, it's an interesting kalvachomer. But the notion is that we, who nations who are blameless and never affected on Israel, we never had anything to do with them, perhaps, and were nice to them, perhaps, certainly we should praise Hashem. In other words, the, the thinking behind this kalvachomer is, if those nations that really distanced themselves from Hashem so belligerently and violently by oppressing his own children, now have come to realization of Hashem Echad and they're praising Hashem, we, who weren't so distant, should certainly be comfortable doing that. And it continues on. And that's why the order is, and this is what Rebbe's answering his son, and then Kol Ha'umim, and the next line is Amru Yisrael Anu So Am Yisrael hears both the belligerent, formerly belligerent nations, and then the formerly, uh, we'll call them indifferent nations, praising Hashem. So they say, how much more should we? After all, we have had God's uh, kindness overwhelm us. And now you understand that if we break this up into different, each, each hemistick here, into different voices, suddenly the key makes a lot of sense. That the first line is said by two different groups of nations, and the third is said by Yisrael, who say, how much more so? We have to praise Hashem because we've been overwhelmed by His kindness, which they haven't, and they're still thanking Him. <laughs> All right, Amraha Aretz. And now the earth says, God's truth is forever. The next line in there. Now, what's that emet? Meaning, Haaretz here doesn't mean the earth, it means Eretz Yisrael. It says, the Brit that you fulfilled with the Avot is true. Remember, the end of that Pasuk is, and God brings us back to the land. And so, not only corporate Israel, but the land of Israel. Praise Hashem. And then there's another take on that. This is in the, in the uh, beginning of Perakud Chet and Malachim Aleph, after the three-year drought, Hashem tries to get Eliyahu to show up to Acham and say, okay, God's going to make it rain. Eliyahu says, how can I go to him? He hasn't done Shuvah yet. How can I go to Eliyahu? Achav, he hasn't gotten rid of his Baal worship, and uh, he's not, he hasn't gotten rid of his wife, Isabel. I brought rain to the world when there was one man. You can help bring rain to the world uh, and uh, and go to Ahav and tell him, because there's somebody out there who deserves it. Ki'ilu. Now, the connection between this and the earlier part of the Midrash is a little bit difficult, except that it is a fulfillment of the Brit which takes us back to the beginning, meaning rain, which we saw in the earlier Midrash, is that point of inspiration for the whole world to praise Hashem, is part of Hashem's Brit. And it's a curious and sort of, uh, I wouldn't say convoluted, but a sort of twisty look at the Brit. The most famous Brit between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the world is the Brit after the Mabul, and that is the rainbow, the sign, is the sign of the Brit. And that Brit is that Hashem will not flood the world but there is an inverse breed, which is Hashem will also not dry, uh, not uh, dry out the world, and will continue to water the world. And so, if you think about it, when we see the rainbow, it means okay, the rain stopped, but there was rain. 
So both things have been fulfilled. And in the same way, HaKadosh Baruch Hu remembers his breed with the land, and now the land means the world and brings rain. Okay. Um, there is a third take in the Midrashim, uh, which you can see for yourself in Source 4, which takes us to uh, both Avraham and Hanan Mishal Azariah. Hanan Mishal Azariah, of course, the story in Daniel Bet, which is the the Tanakh model for the Midrash about Avram being thrown into the, the furnace in the same spot in Orkastim, in Bavel. Um, and uh, and they also, each of them saying that Hananiah uh, says, Halu Adonai Kol Goyim, Mishael says, Shabuchu Kol Azariah says, Gavriel Hachasto, Gavriel Hamalach, who came and wanted to put fire on the outside to cool down the inside, says, Vemet Adonai Olam, and... Uh, and the idea is that the breed that he made with Avram continues with his with his descendants. So you understand that the Midrash is grappling with the difficulty of these psukim, both the connectivity between the first pasuk and the second, and the word key there, <clears throat> and assigning it to different voices. May they be different nations or different individuals helps to kind of clean that particular part up. And of course, the motivation for the rest of the world to praise Hashem is awkward, but we still have the problem, and, and that's hopefully resolved here, but we still have the essential problem, which is, what's this doing here? So I want to take you somewhere else interesting, just as something of an aside, but uh, an important aside, is the Shi'iltot, which is really um, sort of a book of halachic drashot, of Rav Achai, who himself was not a Gaon, but from the period of the Gaonim, uh, he made he later made Aliyah. This is the ninth century, and it seems to be sort of weekly homilies that he would teach, but of a halachic nature. Um, and in the one we have on Parshat Vayishlach, is in some some of the versions. There are multiple versions of the Shiltot. We have his Drasha for Chanukah, in which he incorporates the laws of Hallel, and he says the following: Shiltot de Mechayvin Devet Yisrael Lo Dudye Ule Shabuche Kamei Shemaya Beidna Demitrachish Lunisa that Am Yisrael has to thank God and to praise God at a point where a miracle will have time when a miracle happens. And he quotes our Pasuk. And he asks the question we asked, which is, by the way, this is a quote right out of the Gemara in Psachim. Because Hashem's kindness has overwhelmed us, the nation should give thanks. So he says, and this is again the quote, you nation should thank God for what he's done for you. How much more so we should because he has overwhelmed us with his with his chesed. And that is <clears throat> um, and that is essentially the same direction taken by the Midrashim that assigned the different parts to different voices, and that the the one who says, I'm Israel, is the one who who basically says, and how much more so? If these nations are praising, how much more so we, or if these nations should be praising, how much more so we have reason to praise Hashem. And we take a look at the Radak's comment. And again, you could do all the Mepharshim, all the classic Mepharshim on this in a relatively short time because two psukim. And yet, as I said, the issues are thorny. If you take a look at the Radak in Source 7, <clears throat> he says, So in his version, this was as we have it, as two, two psukim. He sees it as an eschatological vision of an end of days scene. Why did the author make it two psukim? The whole, all, the whole world is going to be on two sides. 
Meaning, Am Yisrael is going to be on one side with their Torah, V'chol omot le'ver mitzvot. They have another side with their minimal shava mitzvot. V'chulam yihaluyah. Everybody's going to praise God, both this, that side, and that side. Two psukim, two sides. The first pasuk is the rest of the world. The second pasuk is Am Yisrael. It's a beautiful take. The whole world will then recognize, and he quotes the famous pasuk from Tzfanya, Notice at the end of the our two psukim, you have a hallelujah. He saw, the author saw Baruch HaKodesh, that the rest of the world will also praise him. And so therefore he said, That's his, his take, moving it backwards. Um, and again, the point of this, and you see it in the next passage, in this beautiful passage in the Radak, and he quotes the Midrash with Rabbi Shimon asking his father, Rabbi, how to interpret the Goyim and the Umim, and how to put that together. And the rest of the passages that I brought were really a small sampling of passages of end-of-days visions of the rest of the world coming around to an understanding of who Hashem is and of praising Hashem and accepting judgment from Hashem. Uh, perhaps the most powerful uh, and well-known is in, in Source 9, which is the beginning of the second chapter of Yishayahu, which is all the nations coming together to Tahar Hashem, and God judging between them and them destroying their weapons of war and turning them into uh, tools for farming, uh, you could take a look at it and sing the songs that you know in English or in Hebrew uh, in Source 9. Uh, but you see it also in other parts in the later Isaiah, in the famous passage, the whole last chapter of Yoel, is dedicated to that that vision, that end-of-days vision, which is why the Radak said, Limotam Mashiach, of the whole world coming around to a realization of Hashem. And so the sort of seeing this pasuk, these two psukim, as uh, we'll call them anticipatory. In other words, there are sort of two, and then I'm going to suggest a third, two ways to read this very difficult passage. The first one is anticipatory. We're looking forward. We're, 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 ima- we're pre-imagining a day in which the whole world's going to praise Hashem, and the way that the, that the formal praise will happen is somebody in Yerushalayim is going to say, Hashem, and then turn inwardly and say, the way that we've parsed the, the, uh, the, the voices. Um, the other way of saying anticipatory is it's imaginary, meaning it's sort of the same thing, but imaginary in the sense of right now we're looking at it and we're pleading with the rest of the world to recognize God and to praise him. And whether or not you do it, the fact that we're asking you to praise him then motivates us to praise him even more because we have what much more to thank him for. Agreed. But we're still stuck with the basic problem, which is, what is this doing here? What is this doing here? So I'd like to turn things around for the last couple minutes of the shiur and make the following suggestion. We are children of Avraham. We are the descendants of Avraham. And although Avraham had multiple children, the only one that is, Yikarel Hazara, who's really called his former progeny, is Yitzchak. And Yitzchak had two sons, but the only one who carried on the Abrahamic tradition is Yaakov. We are B'nai Yaakov, we are B'nai Yisrael, and therefore we are the true heirs of the Abrahamic tradition and the Abrahamic mission. And the Abrahamic mission, of course, is ultimately that the whole world should be blessed through us, that we should be a model for teaching both by instruction and by ex- modeling and by example 
of how to keep Derech Hashem, how to keep Hashem's way, and to bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu into this world. And one might ask, so how do you do that? And there are those who have taken the mission, shall we say, on the road, and did not necessarily have all that much to give. Many people who go out to teach haven't yet really filled themselves with enough learning and perhaps don't reconnect, charge that battery often enough. And sometimes they end up uh, perhaps a little dry, a little repetitive, and maybe they've lost some of their spark. And so having this universal, omniversal, if you will, call to the nations to praise Hashem, be placed right in the middle of Hallel, right after the most personal uh, and, and subjective in the sense of personal uh, passage in Hallel, is telling. The, the exact point that we said was contextually problematic, I think is contextually promising. And that is as follows. person looks at, at the world, sees the world as creation of Hashem, and that person looks at his own place, he says, I'm an august member of Am Yisrael. That, what a wonderful chesed. I'm a member of Am Yisrael. And he looks around and he says, the rest of the nations, they don't understand. They have gods that they created with their own hands and they have ears and they can't hear, etc. In the meantime, Hashem blesses us and continues to bless us. And the real blessing is, of course, of children so that we can continue to praise Hashem in this world. And then you hear a lonely voice stand up. It's in the singular. The whole parak's in the singular. And it's an individual who says, I suffered, I went through difficult times, Hashem saved me, Hashem brought me out, and now I want to thank Hashem, and how do I thank Hashem? And it all comes to bringing, the, bringing this hoda'ah to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, this thanksgiving to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then it's Haluat Adonai Kol Goyim. What looks like a 180 is, but it's a necessary step. A person can really only inspire others if they are themselves inspired. A person can really only stand up in, in the world stage and say you should all give thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu if they themselves feel that kind of thanksgiving. Not in a general level, not in a tribal or family level, but on a personal level. That they themselves have been at death's door and have been saved. They themselves have been in danger and have been saved. They themselves have seen the black tunnel and have been brought through to the light. Only then can they turn around and say, And so these two psukim that seem so out of place, if we look at Hallel as ultimately an individual salvation, giving thanks for that, instead look at it as the prototype for the universal call to, to thanking God, and see these two psukim as really the pivot point, where we go from the necessary experience that one has to go through in order to understand, sympathize with, and really identify with salvation and and being saved from a threat, a mortal threat, on a very personal and very intimate level, only then can he stand upon the world stage and say, And now we understand the next line. Why am I telling you to do this? Only because Hashem's kindness has overwhelmed us and on a more personal level overwhelmed me am I in a position to say to preach it as an external truth of something that I learned somewhere or heard somewhere or was trained to say doesn't wash. The only way that I will get the rest of the world to sing along and to be inspired to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu is by sharing my own 
strength of understanding and humanity as one who's been saved and absolute fealty and absolute thanksgiving before our Kodesh Baruch who saved us. So what we've seen over the course of the past few weeks uh, and, the, and in looking at the first five chapters of this collection of Tehillim that make up Halal Mitzrayim is that we've gone from the very broad introductory piece to the narrowing it to the national historic piece to the theological component of Lolanu and its attendant blessing of fertility and all of those were in the plural, and then suddenly a whole parak in the in the singular about an individual who's gone through this kind of pain and this kind of difficulty, and Hashem has saved him, and I've come to the Mikdash to tell you all that I was wrong, that life is not meaningful, but it is meaningful, and how can I pay Hashem and the neder that he takes, and now... We're re- hey, that guy's ready. Somebody's ready to turn around and say, And everybody says, Hallelujah. And hopefully, the everybody is the world's everybody, the international symposium of Hallel, where the whole world says together, Hallelujah, which then can take us to the pinnacle of the whole piece, which is, which we'll look at in our last installment of this series next week. The, this uh, shira that we're going to sing this coming Friday to celebrate 56 years of sovereignty over Yerushalayim with a halal, with a pemale, is a, is a halal that we really should ultimately be singing to the entire world and having the entire world respond, hallelujah.